0: Club, and you ain't in it, full of psychopaths, who believe in you, it's an evil club, and you ain't in it, full of psychopaths, who believe in you, it's
1: an evil club, and you ain't in it. Alright, welcome everybody. This is the Reality's Ours podcast, and we're your hosts, Nate and Tony. Hello. And we have an awesome guest on today: the fucking man, the myth, the legend, Salviagoris.
2: What's up, guys? Thanks for the <laughs> invite. I, I'm, I'm gl- happy to be here. Thank you for coming. Fuck,
1: man. Well, I think everybody knows who you are, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us where we can find you.
2: Yeah, so I'm Sal Mayweather. You guys probably know me from social media as Salviagorist. Um, we're on a couple meme pages on Twitter, another one on Facebook, uh, Print Guns Not Money. I have uh, a couple companies, 3PrintToGoBurr, print to go burr, agorathreads.com where we saw 3D printers and libertarian clothing, apparel, merchandise, stuff like that. And I'm just a general uh, agorist, a promoter of agorism and a content creator for the agorist community.
1: Fucking A, man. I'm really excited about 3D printers, so we have some questions about that for sure.
2: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, me too. All right, man. So, where do
1: we jump in? Uh, Let's talk about... Let's talk about agorism, man. Tell me a little bit about your book.
2: Yeah, Anti-Politics just came out a couple weeks ago now, I want to say something like that. It's doing really well. I'm really excited about it. It's sort of like a a conglomeration of different um, essays and articles that sort of stress the agorist point of view, the whole idea of uh, counter-economics. Really, it's it's more broad than that, the scope of the book. It's more about... um, like anti-political tactics tactics to achieve liberty that don't focus on political solutions and sort of the point of the book the point i'm trying to make is that 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 sort of culminates in conkinian counter-economics like that flag behind you like yeah that's sort of the culmination of anti-political thought so that that's sort of the idea behind the book and it's doing really well so i'm excited about it
1: that's fucking badass man
2: we've had uh so if anybody's been on fucking
1: Twitter for the last, I don't know, what has it been, about two months? People have just been going absolutely nuts. Oh, yeah. I think maybe it started with uh, – did you hear the episode with Matt Erickson on uh, Pete Quinonez's show? No, I did not. I, personally, man, it fucking blew my mind. I actually think the cat's super smart. Um, and we we had him on the show – Uh, pretty fascinating dude, but he basically broke my brain, dude. It was basically about, like, people that were too like, stuck with, like, uh, Ancapistan in their head. You know what I mean? And living, like, um, I guess living by their principles too much, but not putting enough, uh, not putting enough things in action. Right? And so, I honestly, like, that's where I see the difference between, like, Ancaps and Agoras. It's like, Agoras are like an evolution of ANCAPs, right? They're like the next level up,
2: right? Exactly. And so they're
1: they're, they're, they're putting the principles into action.
2: That's, that's, that's exactly how I see it as well. And I think um, that's how Sam Conklin saw it too. One of the things Sam said, and um, it's an analogy that I've used, and I didn't even know that Sam used it to be honest with you, but it's sort of like um, – like, the next step in, like, a scientific theory. Like, like we hear about, like, one scientist being disproven by the next, like, Galileo and, like, all this, sorts of, like, different theories of physics being uprooted and stuff like that. It's the same thing in the social sciences. Like, we have this beautiful theory that Rothbard gave us of anarchism, but there were just a couple, like, weird inconsistencies in there that didn't make sense. And Conkin comes in and sort of just smooths it all out. He just irons it out. And I think that's sort of, like, the whole... Like that's sort of the, the the beauty of the theory, you know?
1: Yeah, totally, man. It's fucking yeah, for sure. What would you say? I get. I guess we that sort of answered the question. I was gonna say like, what is the difference between an AnCap and a Nagoras? There, there,
2: there, There's more than that too, though. I mean, there's actually a lot. Um, it is sort of like 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 a strategy to achieve anarcho capitalism, right? In a, in a sense, but. Um, there's there's a, 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 several differences number one we don't believe in political in the political approach obviously we, we discussed that um and they do right which i think is a logical inconsistency it's an inconsistency in their theory right that we sort of ha- have removed we've upgraded um they also don't have like this sort of class theory like in agorism like we we understand that there is this sort of binary class division right but like Marx, Marx thought it was the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, but he was wrong. We think it's actually the parasites and or, or, or the what's the exact term that Wally Conger uses? I think it's like the plundered class and the plunderers, yeah, which is even which is even better. But um, that and um, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I think the main difference though is that it's sort of an upgrade, right? It's sort of like an improvement to their theory, which I think is, is the main difference.
1: What do you think – why hasn't this caught on more?
2: A big part of it, I think, is the Libertarian Party. And that's, that's my honest-to-God opinion, I think. But um, – so let me back up. Let me back up. Konkin died in 2004. So it's, we're, we're not that – we're still super early in the game. Like if you think about it, like Marx died in like how many hundreds of years ago? And look where the Marxists are today, right? They've gotten nowhere. Yeah. Conkin's been dead since 2004. We've got the Bitcoin white paper with the 3D printed gun. We've got Silk Road. We've got uh Uber and Lyft disintermediating taxi cartels. We've got uh Airbnb disintermediating hotel cartels. We're using tokens to disrupt the securities industry. I mean, NFTs like we've got everything going on and Conkin's only been dead for like not even like it's not even been a full 20 years yet. So we are getting there. I think it's just a matter of we're super early. Number one. And, and there are a lot of obstacles in our path. Like Konkin wrote about um, how the, the, the libertarian party was sort of like uh, a counterattack of the state, right? It was sort of like their way of sort of infiltrating the Liberty community and sort of trying to regress us. And I think that that that's true. And I think that it worked really well. It continues to work to this day. Like if you think about it before the Mises caucus really, sprang to life everybody was in the in the community was like universally dissatisfied with the job of the party and everybody wow. had lost hope in it and now because the mises caucus came in and they sort of have this cult of personality and like, this, like all these like different things going on everybody sort of like abandoned their principles and they've gone they, they've sort of regressed and i think that's exactly what the state wants
1: man i see okay so my partner here tony tony is kind of friendly to the lpmc he kind of and is a little bit of Uh, but, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Dave Smith because he's the guy that red pilled me and brought me over to libertarianism. And, but I totally see what the fuck you're saying. And I think it's such a fucking bummer. Like, because I
2: I feel the same way about those guys too, though. Like I'm on board with you. Like, I love those guys. I'm, I do podcasts with the LPMC. Um, I love Dave Smith. I love all those guys. I just happen to, it's just, it's just a, a strate- it's just a political disagreement, totally. you know? And, and, and for some reason they, I think they have a tendency to like take it personal, you know? And whereas we agorists are like, we're just having fun here, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think so, that, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Tony. So, so like, just to clarify, like, do you see it just as a strategic difference or do you feel like this um, actually just intrinsically, like there's something fundamentally wrong to do? When, no, like
2: no, I think, I, I, no, I think it's a, it's a strategic difference, um. I, I don't agree either with the immigration stuff, but, um, you know, that, that's probably the only political disagreement I have with that, with, with, with that faction of the community. But yeah, it's just purely strategic. and you know, we, I, I'd imagine that, you know, 99% of issues, of course, and LPMC members are going to agree on. It's just, you know, a matter of how do we, how do we get there? Okay. You know,
1: you were one of the reasons why it fucking blew up too. Uh, because I, because like what you said, they're taking themselves too seriously. Like I saw that fucking meme you posted about nice gay pride shirt with the fucking AMC <laughs> dude. Holy they didn't like shit! That. No. <laughs> they didn't like that. That was, dude. I pissed myself
2: laughing when I saw that shit. And they, they, they can't take a joke. No. They don't like that. They, they did not appreciate that. Uh-uh. <laughs> I thought it was good. I I spent a lot of time changing Jim Bob's meme on Photoshop and fixing (laughs) the shirt around and they didn't appreciate it. The real one that they didn't like, the one that got me blocked, was when I said that it's a glorified circle jerk where real libertarians dunk on fake libertarians and celebrate meaningless small victories. Yeah, Which I think it's true. Yeah. But they that was the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back and they blocked me on, on social media. Man, so.
1: I think that's the biggest bitch move. Like, I'm still like, I'm still part of all those groups. Like, or, you know, I'm friends with them and I'm in their groups on Facebook and all that shit. But it's like, to block you is the biggest bitch move in the world. <laughs>
2: Especially when they're complaining, and this was like like think about it, like a month or two ago when everybody was complaining about big tech censoring all these libertarians, and then here here's the l p m c censoring libertarians, and it's like, well, this is the whole problem with political parties is that we just sort of revert back into the state back into the enemy, so it's just sort of like it's, just, it's very ironic, you know
0: yeah, that's not good <laughs> i I, I I think I am sympathetic to the MC just for um, spreading ideas. Though. At the end of the, like you're spreading memes. You're, they're kind of in the same game. There's some strategic differences. I think there is a limitation that's in there, but I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't,
2: I don't disagree. I think that I think that um, you know no one, and I don't think any Agorist thinks that uh, you know politics is 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 you know always going to be pointless. I would say that it is possible for politics to even be a net positive, but the the likelihood of that being the case is so minuscule that it's really hard to justify the expense of resources that a political campaign requires. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is that I think you know it's important to bear in mind and like i've I've sort of worn this example out on social media, but like it's almost like um. You know, advocating for liberty from a political party is sort of like advocating for chastity from a whorehouse, <laughs> right? The example that I give in anti-politics is sort of like advocating yeah. for cardiovascular health from the inside of a McDonald's. You know what I mean? So really any, any message that um, is conveyed through a political party must necessarily be received through the lens of political authority, through like a lens of political authority. So it's like really at the end of the day, what message could the audience be receiving? You know what I mean? hey, look, just just another guy after my taxes, right? That, 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 that's, that's what uh, Sam said when he was asked about the party. Like, just another guy after my taxes, just another one, you know? So,
1: so what I find fascinating is uh, – so I was talking to Matt Erickson, and in our conversation he was talking about, like, best-case scenario – all the LPMC is going to do is going to make libertarians look like the proud boys. Like whatever we do, like let's say that Dave gets out there, starts dropping some fucking truth bombs. Like the media is, there's no way they're going to take him seriously or let him have a fair shake. They're going to paint us all as fucking white supremacists because I mean, libertarians, let's face it. We're that's 98% fucking white men. That's just true. And they're just going to make us look like fucking assholes. And so Dude, it's going to defeat is... us. It's going to be a fucking thorn yeah. in our side.
2: For sure. And that's actually there's a there's a chapter in anti-politics by Murray Rothbard where he he says exactly that. And now Murray's making the case, he's making the um, obviously he's not making the agorist case, he's making the paleo libertarian case. This is later Rothbard or or actually this isn't later Rothbard. But this is sort of like a paleo libertarian streak in like the 70s that he was on. But he he essentially says that he says why hasn't the socialist party gotten anywhere? And they they've said that they're only out for educational purposes since you know for a hundred years before Rothbard wrote this article. He's like, how come they haven't achieved this goal yet? The reason why is because these third parties are painted as kooks yeah. and, and wackos, and and it's done on purpose, and uh, that's that's always going to be the case with these with these third parties. So it's like, you know, I, I'm not sure what educational impact they can have you know dave smith is most effective through his comedic platform yeah. not through his political platform right he doesn't need to run for office to get on kennedy or to get ha- have like a huge podcast he already has those things right so why why what's the point of 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 you know also Uh, you know, searching out for this political platform that sort of undermines your message from the start. It doesn't really make much sense to me.
1: I agree, man, because I think with like the ambiguity of him, he's able he's able to drop harder bombs like people like who is this guy? And then he just fucking drops some shit and shakes some shit. But if he is like, here's the LP uh, presidential nominee. Everyone's gonna be like, Right, exactly, and fuck libertarians, you know exactly.
2: Yeah. That's that's and that's exactly the point Sam was making, right? Just another guy after my tax, right? It's just another suit, you know what I mean? Like when he's when he's doing a stand up and like Libertas, which is brilliant, or like Legion mm-hmm. of Skanks, or part of the problem. Like he can say whatever he wants, and no one is going to like complain. No one's going to say shit to him. But if, that's why you know the other thing too is you, you'll never have a libertarian candidate or any third party candidate. Um, on the debate stage, right? Because they won't allow it, right? The, the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, won't allow it. We know they won't allow it because when Ron Paul met those standards uh, as as a Republican, right? Even in the duopoly, what did they do? They just changed the requirements yeah. and made the, raised the bar a little bit more. When Gary Johnson in twenty sixteen uh, met their met their uh, Polling requirements, I think it was. Did he really? Uh, I didn't even know that. Something like yeah. that. Yes, I forget what it was. He met whatever requirement it was. Don't quote me on that. He met some requirement to get into the debates, and they just raised the the, the, the level, like the polling level or whatever it was. So it's like, that might not going to let you onto the – Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he I know. was such a well, terrible
1: spokesman, dude. I mean, well, I like Gary thing. Johnson. Like... He's like a nice, goofy, fucking stoned uncle of yours or something, but like, he was a terrible
2: – but that's 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 part of the problem no pun intended yeah. <laughs> with um, with with using these parties is that you're always somebody's there's always going to be a disagreement between two individuals right like i'm sure we all have dis- political disagreements with our own parents right so i mean the fact that you're not going to the lp is going to put forth a presidential candidate that we're going to agree 100% of the time with is not it's not possible it's not going to happen Only agorism allows you to make a decision 100% of the time, right? So, like, maybe Gary Johnson, you didn't agree with him about forcing people to bake cakes, but you had to swallow that pill for the party. Yeah. Maybe you don't agree with Dave Smith on immigration, but you have to swallow that pill for the party. With agorism, there's none of that. You don't have to swallow a pill If it's not palatable for you, you don't engage in that transaction. Dude, and it's true individualism.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree with that, but I do want to play devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah. I'm like more and more normie people are sending me videos from like Odyssey, Rockfin. I feel like there's such a collapse of narrative right now and getting on these platforms is going to give people just a different way of looking at things because a lot of people are just lost right now. And I feel like we want to create more regards. Like if you're an agorist of any kind, you want other regards. That's just, it makes your life easier. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm I'm of two minds of this way. I'm like, yeah, I think what you're saying is absolutely right, especially philosophically, but I can also see the argument for being like, okay, like there's a bunch of people here watching Fox News or whatever who are not going to get this information any other way. They're not going to know what an agorist is.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm totally on board with that. And like I said, I'm not. I, I don't I don't think you know. Ron Paul sort of proves that. You know, you can use a political platform to create more libertarians, right? That's fine. That's wonderful. But what you can't do is use a political platform to create more liberty. And that's what egoism is about, right? We're more focused on creating liberty rather than creating libertarians. It's wonderful. That's great. But, again, um, there's, a, there's a chapter in anti-politics um, that Per Bilen wrote called um, The Savior Complex where – sort of this idea that like libertarians have this contradictory belief like we all we all believe that only the individual exists We don't believe in collectives but yet we all try to save the collective right like let's let's not worry about saving other people. Let's worry about creating liberty for ourselves and it's in that way if we all do that and, and we live by example, then we will necessarily bring about a libertarian world and I, I think that that's really true.
1: So I've been using this analogy for a minute. And it's been... So, kind of the way I see it is that we're we're in a fucking America right now. And America is a sinking ship. We're on the Titanic. And we're all watching, like... Yeah. We're watching the political system, like, devolve. We're watching the economic system devolve. We're watching the government turn more tyrannical. There's less and less people have in common. We're watching this fucking ship sink. And what I kind of see Dave Smith doing is, like, through the LPMC, is, like, he's keeping... He's, like, using the system to, like, keep the system going, right? Like, he's trying to, like, fight to keep the system going. And what we should be doing is we need to be building another system. And that's exactly. what agorism is, right? And so, like, I see this as, like, the best opportunity. Like, when I see uh, Bill de Blasio talking about New York City, how he's going to lock it down for everybody that doesn't have a COVID fucking passport, I, all I see is opportunity. Right, exactly. Because there's going to be a fucking how many million people that just say, "I'm not getting that fucking vaccine." Do you know it's like seventy percent of Black people in New York are not fucking vaccinated. What are they going to do? Like they're going to like Turns just to turn, turn they're, Black they're people away? Like they're going to be going to be to the to black and gray markets? Are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck yes, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's a hundred percent right and there's definitely more this, first of all, the state's getting more and more desperate. I think as they come closer to like the final day of reckoning with their, with their collapse, they, they're they getting more and more desperate. And as they get more desperate, there's they're going to increase restrictions, increase regulations, and there's going to be more opportunities for counter, for counter economics. And, uh, you know, obviously New York city is, is a prime example of that. You know, uh, I mean, I'm, trust me, I'm from that area. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think that um, at the end of the day, we see things like like I don't know if you saw in the news today. They're talking about like um, putting new regulations on cryptocurrency and, and stuff like that. I'm I'm not. I, I sort of welcome these things, like in a sort of sick way. I don't want to say I'm in favor of vaccine passports, but it's almost like. It's an indicator of, of, of how how desperate they are, how unstable they actually are, and, and I think that that sort of bodes yeah. well for us. Well, you know? a good way there's like
1: a, there's a firm line being drawn in the sand. Like teams are getting picked right now, and right, so and, for sure. so that is interesting. And we can pick up yeah. the people that are left on the side, and they don't know what the fuck to do. That's where we step in. And like Tony was yeah. talking about, where how do we make more Agoris? Like like you were saying is like, we need to have our fucking shit together. Like I just, I just bought a house. I just had, I have a big fucking yard. I'm going to start a fucking garden. I've got some friends out here. Like, like we're part of like a free thinker kind of little group out here. Like that's oh, what yeah. you need to that's... do is just like starting these communities. Like that's right. And start grabbing. Like I have some other friends that are like, that are definitely not going to get the vaccine. And they're very fucking worried about all this bullshit. Like, I'm taking them with me. You know what I mean? I'm taking them through. Yeah,
2: That's- yeah. And you have to lead by example, right? Yeah. That's the only way to do it. If you show people that you have the tools to live free and how to use them, they're going to say to themselves pretty soon, why the hell am I debating this? Why am I going door to door trying to convince people to end the Federal Reserve when I can <laughs> just be my own bank today? Why am I trying to convince people not to add pesticides to my food or whatever it is? Grow, I can my, own just grow fucking my own food. Today, you know what I mean. It's <laughs> like instead of instead of waiting for some politician to, to let you do it, just do it. Like that's the whole. That's one of the keys to anti-politics. Is how I start the book. Is that it starts with the realization that you are already free, and that you sort of we, we sort of exist in on a slave plantation run by these politicians.
1: Dude, I fucking love that. Right. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs>
2: it's true. It's true, man. For now, for now we do, for now.
1: <laughs> Until they start the yeah. fucking credit, the fucking social credit score and they're fucking doing our well, eventually we retinas and all that.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm confident that eventually we win. Like Konkin thinks that there's four phases to this revolution and I I think he's right. And I, and the other Agorists that I speak with, I think that we're sort of further along in that. On, on in that timeline than most people realize. I didn't. I didn't phases? think we were. I re- honestly didn't
1: think we were until just fucking recently. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: So, so, so there are four phases, right? Just answer your question, Tony. So, there's phase one, which is just complete statism and, and no agorism, and phase four, which is you know the agora, a, a completely free society. And then there's two intermediary stages in there. But one of the things I think is interesting that Konkin writes is that. We'll know that we're in stage three when we start to see private infrastructure competing with state infrastructure, and uh, I've got a couple of articles on the New Libertarian about this called like technological agorism People should check out. But like, we're start- I think we're starting to see that right? we're starting to see private infrastructure replace state infrastructure. For example, look at the, the SpaceX replacing NASA, right? The, um, there's a great book by Brad Smith, the old CEO of Microsoft, where he talks about how Microsoft is um, providing like pre broadband access into like very rural parts of the country, which was like if you think back to like the FDR days of like the, the rural elect- electrification agency, whatever it was called, bureau that was in charge of bringing electricity to like rural Tennessee and Kentucky. Now you have private companies bringing the fi to these areas so that they can offer more additional services to them. So I think like we're starting to see that, like we see like the growth of arbitration and mediation services and the declining popularity of state legal services and courts and stuff like that because they're costly and inefficient. So I think that we're in phase three of this. I think that the state is much more unstable than they seem and I think that a lot of the, the actions that they're taking today sort of uh, uh, sh- show that.
0: yeah I would like to see a lot more private arbitration. I feel like that would really help yeah people stop businesses because it's not it's not practical to have um, lawyers.
2: No, and we'll 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 look at at how inefficient it actually is, right? I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Like, l- look at the like. There's no shortage of cases of injustices in the U.S. court system. Just spend a day in traffic court, right? So it's like the most inefficient way to mediate a, a dispute is to use the state. These people aren't capable of writing a budget. Why would you want them to mediate like an expensive dispute that you're involved in? You know what I mean?
0: So I'm um, kind of. Uh... Like, where do you think the state gets their power from? Like like, how like if they're just this parasitic entity, like just any theories on like why they have the power that they do?
2: Well, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, where they come from and why they have the power they do are two different questions. I think a lot of it obviously is based on coercion, right? Like if you don't do what they say, they will send men with guns to your house. And if you resist the kidnapping that they're that you're just going to take place, then you'll be you'll be shot on site, and that's 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 how it works. I think like how they came to be though is is a really interesting question, and there's a great book by James Scott called Against the Grain, where he like super interesting stuff. He goes through all of, like the anthropological theories, but like a lot of it has to do with, with like early human civilization was based on grain societies, so it was very easy for, like, these, like, warlords, these gangsters, to apportion taxes. They could say, all right, Tony, you've grown, you know, 10,000 pounds of wheat this season, and our rate is, you know, two rubles per thousand pounds, so this is what you owe us. And, like, it sort of, governments sprang up in grain societies, and it was really, like, around the coastal estuaries that there was, like, the last holdouts. Like, uh, uh, you know, in, in that South Florida was one of the last places where, like, I think Andrew Jackson like had to come in like just off, like uh, like not even two hundred years ago to tame these people. So um, you know, it's a really interesting story where they come from. Obviously, the other thing too is brainwashing, public schools, indoctrination. This plays a huge part in convincing people that they have like a legitimate uh, 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 le- like that their authority is somehow legitimate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it absolutely like I am thinking about the beginning, the first time it ever happened. It was it was a goddamn bully, man. I mean, that's really what it is. It's like, I'm bigger than you. Yeah. So give me some yeah. of your shit. And then you, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And it becomes a fucking yeah. mafia. You know, you pick the and other well, big guys
2: with you, you know, and. That's exactly what I was going to say, too, if you think about it. It really is like um, the mafia. I'm from uh, north northern New Jersey, like just outside New York City. And um, I can tell you that. These people behave exactly like the Gambinos. It's the exact same thing. I think a good way to think about it is just that they're the mafia that's outcompeted competed the other families. That's really what what's happened here. Like that's what RICO was sort of like a huge win for the state and when they passed those that RICO Act in the seventies. Because they sort of limp. There's the final like stomp out of, of their competition. Yeah, you know, because like they have to have that monopoly on violence, and the mafia challenges that. So they really are just like, what, what was it? I think Rothbard calls them, uh, or maybe it's Konkin. I'm sorry, I, I think it's Konkin. I, I'm sorry, I think Konkin says they're the mob of mobs, right? Yeah, it's a great description.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fucking a man. Uh, so the other thing i want to talk to you about so we've covered the lpmc what do you think about uh yeah covid what do you think of this going on with this covid shit we don't have to spend too much time on it because everybody's talking about this bullshit
2: but I, i i think it's a complete scam um i've been on record since the very beginning i think that it's all bullshit um I think what's going on is that the state has manufactured this virus as a scapegoat to justify the liquidity injection that's necessary to keep the Federal Reserve's Ponzi scheme alive. So now they can say, no one can go to work, but you know the economy is going to crash now because you guys aren't working. But don't worry, we're going to print a whole bunch of money to keep, keep this, this, this game alive, to keep this game going, but... It's a scam, right? Obviously, anybody who knows basic economics can tell you that that, that, that's a scam. It's not going to work. Or anybody who knows history can tell you it's not going to work. And I think that they're caught in a trap between hyperinflation and a very deep recession. And they're choosing hyperinflation because if they choose recession, then they lose out politically, right? Then they look like the bad guy. Whereas with hyperinflation, it allows them to carry on the lie that we're trying to help you it's for your welfare right we need to we need money to help israel we need another one hundred and forty million. we need more money for you know stimulus checks and un, or what is it uh, uh uh an eviction moratorium and all this nonsense Dude, that one's coming with the excuses. most outrageous <laughs> like where the fuck does the cdc
1: claim their authority <laughs> to tell you you can't evict your tenant like how like
2: What does the CDC have to do with the housing market? <laughs> They're in charge of realty
1: in this country. It's
2: fucking wild. Well, it's, you know, a, a big problem that no one realizes in this country is the growth of administrative agencies, right? Like, these, like, they fall under the executive branch, like these, like, alphabet soup groups, like the FBI, the IRS, the ATF. But the problem is that they have sort of, like, such a wide array of authority that they can get away with anything. It's sort of like a fourth branch of government. And, like, I think people are finally starting to see that when the CDC injects themselves into the housing market. Like, I don't
1: necessarily like that term, deep state, but it is apt when you think about it's the unelected bureaucracy. It's the people that are just lifetime government employees that just – they keep the system rolling. Like, the president is just a fucking figurehead. They come and go. Yeah. Right, and it's yeah, it's so undemocratic.
2: It's it's like so. Not that I'm a fan of democracy, but there's like, like like in other words, the the, the rulemaking process for these agencies is so like. It, sometimes it can be as simple as they just issue a memo, circulate a memo around the agency, and now that will have the force of of law. Like courts have ruled that that a memo can actually equate to an actual law, so it's like. At that point, like the like, in and, and the appeals process, if you actually have a dispute or, you, or let, let's say you've been charged with a crime by some one of these agencies like the CDC or something, the appeals process is so – you're so unlikely to win. Right? It's, it's like facing an inquisition rather than going to a court. So it's like it, – it, it's, it's really a whole mess. And I think the CDC – like the only good thing that's come about this whole COVID scandemic is that people have seen the CDC for what it is. Yeah. Not that, like, like you, th- like you think that they would have recognized this back in Tuskegee, but here, here
1: we are. <laughs> I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tony. Did you have something? Oh, no, no. Okay. I was going to just say that, like, the tyranny and, like, just the fucking authoritarianism oh, is becoming more and more blatant. And it's, yeah. like, it's really fucking visible, dude. I mean, everyone is starting to see it. And so now you're seeing, like, this giant separation between like, people that are, like, scared of it and are starting to wake up, and then I'm watching the other fucking people, especially, like, on places like Facebook and shit, you're seeing all these old Karens that are worshipping it. They're fucking stoked. They're getting their oh, yeah. way. They're like, yes, yeah. yes! Like, I'm watching well, them, well, like... <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> okay, this one guy, He's he's, like, a local hero out here. He, like, he helps foster kids, and he helps, like, disabled people and all this kind of shit. He just got COVID, and he's in the hospital. And so, like, our the Oregonian, the news station, is, like, trying to cover it. Like, this is very sad. He's unvaccinated. So I'm just watching all these old fucking Karens dunk on him, saying, good! That piece of shit! And I'm just like, you're a fucking cunt! <laughs> so compassionate. Yeah. So
2: compassionate, you know? <laughs> the,
1: peace and, the peace and love party is just, like, shitting all over this guy. It's like,
2: any any chance that they have to undermine themselves, it's like they, they just jump on it. And it's like you think people would open their minds up and see this, but for some reason they just keep they just keep eating the bullshit
0: up. They need an enemy. They need yeah. something to focus that like you're you're trapped in this dysfunctional system that doesn't work and creates misery and you need to vent that misery out in some direction and it doesn't matter who it is, but right now it's the unvaccinated.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that they that they sort of You know, there's just, just like, theory that everybody needs to dominate somebody, and I think that with leftists, they really, like, they express that in, like, the political sense, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we've all heard the old adage, well, if your ideas were so good, they wouldn't be mandatory. And that's really true, though, right? Like, if if these ideas were so great, if these vaccines were so wonderful, they wouldn't have to hold a gun to your head like, like they're doing in New York City, like, you can't go outside or in L.A. Like in order to get it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I see. I'm just
1: waiting for it to happen here. We're like in mini Commieville USA over here. We're in Portland and dude, our governor, she, she's the biggest chicken shit in the world. She just waits to see what like New York and California do. And then she just jumps on it. So,
2: Right. As if as if Andrew Cuomo is like a a really good example (laughs) for people to follow. You know, (laughs) like Why do you think they're sacrificing that guy, man? They're
1: just it's open season on Cuomo right now. Holy shit. You can say anything
2: you want. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right for sure. I'll tell you what, coming from that area of the world, that part of the world, it's no secret to anybody from that world that Cuomo is trash. He's the lowest of the low. That a politician can get. And that, that really says a lot because politicians by nature are are trash. But, yeah, man, it does seem to be open season on this guy. I think he's sort of, you know, the media, they don't care about genociding the elderly, but they draw the line at, at sexual assault, right? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. I'm just happy to see him go. I'm concerned about who they're going to put in next because it probably will be even more of, of a communist than Cuomo.
0: So coming from that area, like, what's your vibe on it? Because I mean, like, growing up there, like, do you think that that could have happened? Like that, this kind of virus could have taken hold there, or is it just like, like, I feel like Portland has changed a lot. It's always been kooky, but not like this. And I just wonder, like, from like that New York, Jersey. No, area.
2: New York has gotten so much worse, so much worse. Like in the '90s, it was very like it was it was gritty. It was like fun. Like, it was just, it was sort of, like, dirty in a a fun kind of way. Like, you can get away with stuff, like, and then it just sort of became increasingly socialist and increasingly, like, authoritarian, and it got to the point where, like, I would go to, like, these, like, Bitcoin meetups and, like, go hang out with my friends and get drinks and stuff like that, and you would, like, see, like, groups of, like, you know, purple-haired protesters just, like, walking down the street, like, you know, demanding, like, reparations for slavery or something. Yeah. Or there'd be people at the bar would be, like, like trying to, like, you know, you know, get into fights with you about economics and things like that. And finally, when I, when I went there, I forget what I was there for, but I, I was there for something when this COVID crap started happening. And there was literally tanks on the street in Manhattan. And I thought... Once I started sawing the tanks and the guys with you know the, the, the big machine guns this sitting at the train station, I thought, you know, it's 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 time to time to start thinking about a move. And yeah. That's when I decided, to get the hell out, and now I'm in Florida.
1: No shit, man. Where, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. No masks, no muzzles, no vaccines, no no nothing, no bullshit. What, what's so your thoughts on are,
1: DeSantis?
2: You know, he's he's definitely Probably the best governor in the country right now, yeah. but I mean, you could take that for what it's worth. I would say you know, it was De- Christy
1: Nome, except that
2: she blocked the pot, which was kind of a bummer. Well, he's not—he's not necessarily. DeSantis is is sort of a cop sucker. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's, um, Like, like you can't like if you if you even like look at a cop wrong here, like they can basically shoot you. Like they have the right to like shoot and kill you here, and like you know they don't like. There's no suing the cops here. Like the cops have ultimate authority. People here worship the police. It's really bad. But other than that, he's great on COVID. So he's great. He's good on guns. He's good on taxes. So. You know, you, 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 you take the... Here's the thing. I'm not going to listen to them anyway. So I don't really give a shit what, <laughs> what laws these people pass. I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can pass all the laws they want and it doesn't really affect me.
0: Yeah. That's What's the community. Bitcoin community down there? Like, I don't know where you are in Florida, but I guess like, I've been hearing all this Miami shit going down. And is that yeah.
2: Like just... So Nick Spanos, who's from New York, um, long history of the, in the crypto community up in New York City, he started, um, he had the New York um, Bitcoin Center, just the Bitcoin Center in New York City. And now he started another location in Miami with uh, Erica Gemma, who's a um, fellow agorist. And she is the CEO at the Miami Bitcoin Center. They have all kinds of cool events. They have lobbied um, the mayor to get like all sorts of cool like you can pay like parking meters and like uh, and like your your taxes in Bitcoin for what that's worth, good or bad. So like Miami is sort of like a very crypto friendly um, city. I'm here in Tampa. I'm in St. Pete. I'm like right across the, the bridge from Tampa. It's not as um, vivid or it's not as like like lively as the Miami crypto community, but there is still a crypto community here. My, myself and some other goers have been talking about like putting together some meetups and things like that. So we're going to, we're going to work on it. But, um, in Miami, it's the place to be. They also have the Miami Bitcoin conference every year, which is huge, which I I usually go to that. Uh, That's where they announced Ethereum. It's like, that's really the premier Bitcoin event of the year. Um, they didn't have it this year though, because of the pandemic, but um. Yeah. It's 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 definitely one of the better places in the country to be for for crypto.
1: That's awesome. So yeah. it's almost like Florida is more free than New Hampshire right now. It's almost like all those guys wasted their time up there, moving up well, to the yeah, free state you, project.
2: You know, like here's the thing. I love New Hampshire. I if, if you know when I when I decided to leave, it was like Florida or New Hampshire. Yeah. Like I had to make a make a choice, and I had. I have some friends here. I had some family here. So I was like, the weather's nicer. So I, I ended up going with Florida. But I could have just as easily seen myself in New Hampshire. It's beautiful up there. I love it. And when I go to Porkfest, like, I, I feel like I'm at home. You know. See, I like
1: the forest. And so I kind of, like, if I ever saw myself moving, I, I really thought about New Hampshire. But I don't do well with winter. I'm fucking
2: scared of their winters, yeah.
1: man.
2: <laughs> yeah, same, same, dude. I've seen pictures from those free staters where, like, they open their door and they will literally carve out like a box in the snow to make like a refrigerator. And like the front doors in New Hampshire open inwards; they don't open outwards. Like they open inwards for a reason. Like, yeah, you know, if I, I think if I could do it, if I, if I, you know, if I, if money was was no option, what I would do is I would do the whole snowbird thing, you know, and like. New Hampshire, have a little, like, cabin in the woods in New Hampshire and, like, a little condo on the beach in Florida. But yeah, one day, you know, one day. Yeah, someday. A lot more agorism before then. <laughs> 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 a lot more cryptocurrency trades.
0: <laughs> Tony, what's it like
1: where you're moving? Uh, Tony is actually moving to, like, Rhode Island, right? Oh.
0: Yeah, it's not nearly as intense. I mean, I guess it's probably similar to a Jersey, New York weather. Um, it's um, – you get a – you can get snow, you can have mild winters, you can have um, intense, like, down to zero. It just depends oh, on the area. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, it gets especially you. You have the um, the wind up there. Because uh, you're, you're right on the water in Rhode Island, so yeah. you're, you're going to have to deal with the wind, too.
0: I'm looking forward not to have the rain.
2: There's true, no rain over there?
0: True. There's rain, yeah. but not like,
1: not like this stupid shit. I've always lived in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm just fucking used to the rain at this point. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I heard it's beautiful up there. I've never actually been, but everybody tells me it's it's beautiful there. It is.
1: It's fucking awesome, man. The next time we do Squatch Fest, you should definitely come up. That's where this awesome flag is. We're trying to be the Pacific Northwest. Uh, We're trying to be the fucking uh, Pork Fest of the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Very
2: cool. Fucking dope, man. Hell yeah! I would love to go to something like that. I love I, any excuse to to travel. I'm I'm down for. it.
0: I think it's gonna make it, man. I think in another couple of years it's gonna be pretty big.
2: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's fucking. It's getting
1: bigger every time. They just had their second one, and it's fucking awesome. How's the
2: how, how's the Agoras presence? Big, nice. Big. I mean, this is this was yeah. the fucking flag. So, <laughs> dude, if you guys if you guys need help promoting it, let me know. I'm I'm always down to help help the cause.
1: Yeah, our friend, our friend is the guy that runs it. So I mean, absolutely, yeah, he's a really good guy. So let's talk about, dude. So I've always noticed your fucking avatar, like from the first time I saw that shit, I was like, that's my fucking favorite rapper. That's in your neck of the woods. You better know who that is. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, I grew up in Northern California. I grew up in Humboldt County, and. uh Spent a lot of time in the Vacaville area and like Sacramento area, so yeah, that's definitely my stomping grounds. And we definitely grew up listening to Mac Dre. And I was like, "How the fuck is this East Coaster?"
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um honestly, man, he's he's the greatest rapper that's ever ever lived, and that's that's the honest to God truth. And I'm look, I'm you know, I'm born and raised East Coast, like Biggie Smalls, East Coast rap, Nas, Jay Z, but. At the end of the day, if you just, like, objectively compare it, Mac Dre's got the beats, he's got the rhymes, he's got it all. And um, that hyphy sound is so unique. I love it, yeah. you know? And it was just, like, sort of like a fluke when I was making my um, Twitter profile. I was just like, this is the guy who I happen to be listening to. I was like, let me just throw in his avatar. And now it's like everyone's, like, they think it's me. Like, I'll yeah. go on podcasts and they be like, who are you? Like... <laughs> Are you are you are you Mac Dre's agent or something? <laughs> are you selling my others' agent? I'm like no.
0: I was one like of those idiots. They, they
2: they expect like a bald guy with an afro, and they see like some white. Or I'm sorry, like a, a black guy with an afro. They see a white bald guy. And they're like yeah, man. When black. I first
0: saw that, I thought that was you. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So how
0: did you how did you find yeah. Mac Dre, man? Um,
2: do i all. I've always been to underground rap. Like, yeah. Just a big connoisseur, all of it, not just, like, West Coast hyphy, but, like, East Coast underground rap, international rap, like, just all about, like, hip-hop and stuff like that, and um, that whole scene, man, like, that whole, whole scene, like, even, like... um,
1: Dude, I grew up in it, that was me in high school, dude, taking stupid pictures with Fizz pills in my hand, and fucking Fizz face, and (laughs) (laughs) rolling chewy blunts, uh, uh, and...
2: (laughs) Dude, I'm trying to think of some of the other the other names from back then. Um, oh, dude,
1: I mean uh, Andre Nicotina, fucking E40. Andre Nicotina,
2: of course. Yeah, yeah E40. like um, Smoovey. Yeah, too short. Yeah. Like keep the sneak. Yeah, keep too the short. Sneak.
1: Fuck yeah. yeah, man! I got to see all those guys yeah. in concert.
2: Actually, I, I was pretty oh lucky. My God, dude, I heard every every what is it like the fourth of June or whatever every every anniversary of Max Ray's death, like. They have like a big party, and like, I'd love to go to that one year. You know what I mean? I'd love that, but goals.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's fucking badass, so, man. Go ahead, Tony. Sorry. So, how's the 3D printer business going over the last year or so?
2: Good, good. Um, yeah. <clears throat> 3D printers are, are, are great. Um, I'm really excited about this technology. I really I think like the whole concept of decentralizing the manufacturing mm-hmm. industry is really the future. It's, like, the same thing that we did in Bitcoin, like, <clears throat> I sort of feel about 3D printing, the way I felt about Bitcoin in, like, 2013-ish. Like, we're on the cusp of something huge here, even though we've already accomplished a lot, but, um, like, we're, it's, the, the technology is getting to the point where not only is it already unstoppable, but it's like it's, like, we're at the point now where we are going to all be armed pretty soon. And there, there really isn't shit they can do about it. So, you know, the, every time Joe Biden comes up with some stupid law or he threatens to make some stupid law, I, my, my sales go up at the, at the store. <laughs> so that's – it's great for me. Um, you know, it's you have to compete with Jeff Bezos, which sucks. But, um, you know, the key to 3 com, which is my store, shameless plug, 3 burr with three R's, the, the the whole sort of the idea here is that you can pay with cryptocurrency, right? We, we accept Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin. And the whole idea is that now like you don't have to access a KYC payment platform to buy a 3D printer. So like whereas before you had to pay with Visa, a Bank, PayPal, somewhere along the line there was a record of that transaction. Yeah. And if the government wants to subpoena it, they can. If you get one from us, then you you pay with crypto. There is no record of that transaction other than like your 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 you know the on the blockchain, and if you know they have to tie you to that address, so it's much more difficult for them to make that link. And that's the whole point of three D printer go bird. That's why we started it. And I think the, the proof is in the pudding. Like the amount of sales, the percentage of sales at three D printer go bird that takes place in cryptocurrency. Is much much higher than the percentage of sales that takes place in cryptocurrency at AgoraThreads.com, right? So, like my two stores, like the like obviously there's an incentive to buy 3D printers with cryptocurrency versus like a T-shirt or a hoodie, right? Like, so it seems to be working. People seem to be using it for the 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 desired intent. So, I you know I'm all the store will always be there, you know. Yeah, as long man. as like as long as I can pay those Shopify fees and the and the, the hosting fees, I'll, I'll I'll keep it running.
1: That's, badass, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, fucking a. I uh, see. I think that's the most beautiful thing about agorism, is like every new law, is an opportunity.
2: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's- exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's that's really the key. Like like and I, look at this menthol cigarette ban that they put in place. Um, like a, a few months ago, and which is super racist. Obviously, they even came out and said we're targeting blacks with this law. <laughs> so like, and, and like, like that. These doesn't sound racist to these people. So, like, they know that it's going to disproportionately affect blacks. They've but, been complaining. We're, we're helping them. They're too stupid to not right. smoke these. That's what they know, fucking said. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and meanwhile, they 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 spent the last two years complaining that there is a disproportionately high number of blacks in prisons than whites and now they're writing laws that they're gonna exacerbate that problem so that's another story in and of itself my point here is that this raises all sorts of opportunities for the counter-economists hell yeah all sorts of opportunities right now it's like instead of bagging up you know weed baggies like we used to do in like 2000 now we're, we're just rolling cigarettes yeah really easy at this point you know <laughs> so you, you you can't win you you they can't beat the, 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 the black market and we can't lose.
0: So what are some – like like? do you see just any like major opportunities right now that like you just like – if you want to throw something out there for, in the universe being like, here's what we should be – like, you know.
2: Yeah. So yeah. It's an
0: idea, do you see anything that's just like glaring at you?
2: Yeah, I do. Um I'm really excited right now about tokenizing securities and assets. I think that people are sleeping on how huge that actually is. Like if you think about it right now, if you, want, if you want to, if you're a small business owner and your business is growing, you want to have more capital to grow, to hire more employees, to buy more overhead, to get a new store, whatever the case may be, you, one way to do that is to offer shares on a publicly traded exchange. In order to do that, you have to go through a FINRA broker, a broker that's registered with FINRA that has to comply with the SEC's rules, regulations. It's a lengthy process, it's an expensive process. But the the point here is that FINRA, you have to use a FINRA FINRA broker and that's essentially a cartel of brokers. So if you wanna broker securities in this country, you have to be approved by FINRA and that limits the supply, drives up the cost What we're doing on the blockchain is we're issuing tokens on chain and then we're going to trade these tokens in a decentralized, in a permissionless fashion on decentralized exchanges. So now imagine a world instead of what we have today where, okay, you have that business that's growing. Now what you do is you issue tokens on chain, right? And you sell them in a decentralized exchange, like I said, in a permissionless fashion to whoever you want well, what does the FINRA do? All of a sudden, the FINRA cartel is broken now, right? We know we know from Rothbard the whole concept of compulsory cartelization. A cartel can't last in a free market and they get busted by these free marketeers. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're undermining this this broker of cartels. And that is going to be huge because what it's going to do is it's going to unleash a wave of capital and innovation like we've never seen before. And I really think that we're sort of at the precipice of this Cambrian explosion where we're going to see tokens pop up in everything. Like right now, we just see like uh, NFTs, tokenized art, tokenized albums, things like that. Pretty soon, this podcast will be tokenized, right? Like this microphone is going to be tokenized. The chairs that we're sitting on are going to be tokenized. The cars that we're driving are going to be
0: tokenized.
2: And people don't realize that yet. And, and that's going to be absolutely huge. But from a counter-economic perspective, Like the tokenization of securities and assets is going to get rid of the SEC and FINRA. Also tokenizing on like content on social media, right? Look what Mines is doing with tokens. Like now you get paid based on the popularity of your content, not Mark Zuckerberg, not Jack, right? And then like the third way that agorists are going to use tokens to create a more free society is like, look at... um, like medical tokens and like the way that we're using tokens to like, to uh, uh, encrypt and and encrypt data and stuff like that. So now, you know, where again, where Zuckerberg and Jack are being paid off of your data, right? What's happening now is like there's companies like Doke.com, for example, where you can take your healthcare data, and if you want you can offer it to them they anonymize it and make it available to medical researchers universities institutions but as a reward for using your data right you what you get is like dope tokens when these tokens can be uh exchanged for real medical services like telecommunications uh tel- telemedicine i'm sorry telemedicine appointments with real doctors in the world or, um, you know, all sorts of different things. So we're privatizing social media. We're privatizing the securities industry. We're privatizing data. We're going to get rid of big tech. Like people ask me, what's the Agora solution to big tech? And I say tokenization. So just sort of, I know I'm sort of rambling here, but just a long answer to your question is that I'm really excited about tokenization and like all the sort of different things that that's going to bring about. Don't sleep on that. If there's a... The final point here that I'll make is that I think that the demand, if I'm right, if I'm right about all this, that the demand that the, like whatever chain is chosen for the for, for most of this tokenization business, let's say it's Ethereum, the demand for blockchain space on the Ether network is going to skyrocket, so that the price of Ethereum is going to go through the roof. So if you can find a, 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 a chain or a coin that has a solid tokenization platform you'd be wise to buy some of that coin right now. Some of my favorites are Ethereum. I really like Bitcoin Cash's SLP platform because it's really easy to use. Anybody can make a token for all sorts of things. But don't sleep on like the dark horses like Cardano and Tron and stuff like that because they have some really solid Raven coin. They have some really solid uh, tokenization platforms as well that are like really promising.
0: Dude, That's awesome.
1: I loved having you on, man. Uh, you're the biggest white pill that I can fucking think of, like, <laughs> like because I talk to so many people and there's so many fucking black pills in all of this. Like yeah. we're watching the government crack down. We're seeing this fucking tyranny happen. We see them. We see them talking about how they're going to move to like a digi dollar. Right? So they're going to try to co-opt this idea of tokenization and they're going to try to fucking jump to this thing and it's... Agorism is the answer, man.
2: It's the only answer. For sure. No doubt.
0: Yeah. I felt like you're an antidote for a black pill. Like any (laughs) I throw at you, man. You're just like... (laughs) (laughs) Here's how you purge it.
2: Well, good. That makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm actually... I'm really optimistic for the future. A lot of people are pessimistic... I think in the long run, we win.
0: Yeah, I think optimism is important to keep. Like, yeah. to be real, but also be optimistic and about be like, okay, like, here's the reality, but also here's how we improve reality. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, when
1: you first said that, I was like, you really think so? And that you've convinced
0: yeah. me. <laughs> I love good, it. Good, <laughs> Excellent. good,
2: good.
1: Uh, well, man, that was awesome. Uh, I'd love to have you on sometime again. And, dude, that was fucking brilliant. I loved it.
2: Dude, whenever you guys want to do this, let me know I'm always down to talk about this stuff.
1: Fucking A. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sal.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: All right.